Hey, welcome to the Living Worship Podcast. Um, wow, it has been a crazy couple weeks here. Um, last week, I came down with some kind of bug, and I lost my voice, and it was terrible. Um, throughout my entire life, I've always been considered a soft-spoken person. Uh, doesn't really talk a whole lot. Um, and I guess it must have changed somewhere along the way because... Um, I missed a lot of opportunities or I really hurt my voice and it probably could have gotten better faster just because I find myself talking uh, so much. Uh, so we're going to get kind of caught up um, this week. Um, we're getting into John 11. Uh, next video is going to be on John chapter 12. Um, looking at both of them dropping uh, probably within this same week so that we can get on back on schedule as far as that's concerned. So if you're wondering what happened to um, the podcast during that time, that's what happened. It, it's been it's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks, like I said. But we're getting into John chapter 11. And so we're getting to the wrap up of Jesus's public ministry um, during the three, three and a half years that he was um, preaching and performing miracles. And so looking at John 11, as, as we're thinking about this text, I want you to keep something in mind here. This one question, have you ever felt out of control in your life? I think we all have. We can all say yes to that question. But think about those kinds of things in your life that have happened. And then um, think about what is going on within the text. All right, so John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. It says, Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, The sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going to go back? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. And then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to get better. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there, so that you may now believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called Twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, so that we may die with him. All right, so these first 16 verses, there's a few things we need to keep in mind as we're reading the text, hitting the important points. So Jesus is told about his dear friend, Lazarus. Lazarus is somebody that means something to him, someone he has spent a lot of time in, in this town of Bethany. And so Jesus hears about this. The text says, and Jesus loved them. So he stayed two more days where he was. What? He loved them so he didn't go heal Lazarus. He loved them so he didn't help right away. Huh. 
So, does that mean God's timetable is not the same as ours? Yep. God, God knew better than them. Could Jesus have gone and healed Lazarus? Yes, Jesus could have said right where he was from a distance, Lazarus be healed. And Lazarus would have been healed. It all would have been just fine if he had done what they said. But, but Jesus and God, they had something better in store. Jesus said, I am glad that this has happened so that you may believe. That's hard for us to get our mind to, to kind of wrap around that, that idea that um, the way that we think something needs to be fixed is not usually the right way. Because God sees the bigger picture, we have tunnel vision. We can only see in our own life, but God sees not only 7 billion people currently alive on the planet, but also all the other people that are going to exist in the future. And so he knows what's best. And it's not all about you or me, it's about the bigger picture. And he cares for you, and he knows what's best for you. And he's going to grow you through the hard circumstances and trials that happen through life. And so it's all about trusting God, even when his plan doesn't match up with our own logic, with what makes sense to us in the moment. But get this. So verse 16 then shows us one of the disciples that we don't see a whole lot of. In fact, the one other passage where he's really talked about, uh, we normally... Uh, mock him a little bit. Uh, we make fun of him sometimes. Uh, we kind of look down our noses at him. His name's Thomas, and he has this nickname called Doubting Thomas because when Jesus was resurrected, he came back to life. Thomas says, I don't believe that. He said, I have to see Jesus. I have to touch Jesus. I have to talk to Jesus. If I can't do that, then I won't believe. Well, in this instance, Thomas had courage. Thomas had faith. And Thomas was willing to lay his life down for Jesus. So in this instance, doubting Thomas was really brave Thomas. He knew that going back to Bethany, going back towards Jerusalem, really meant death, possibly. And he said, I am prepared to die with Jesus. He counted the cost, and he said that his life could be expendable for God. Of course, as we see later, um, maybe he didn't mean it. Maybe he changed his mind. We don't really know. Um, but in this moment, Thomas really believed this. And he went with Jesus, even if it meant death. All right, so let's keep reading. We're going to pick it up in verse 32. It says, As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And so Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead four days. 
Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So in this process, Mary and Martha, and we read, we skipped over part of the story, so you need to go back and read it. That's my encouragement. But Mary and Martha, they confess Jesus as Messiah, but both of them get to it in a very roundabout, very different way from the other. Their sisters, their brother is the one who has died. Martha is the one that comes running out to meet Jesus. Just, Jesus, if you had just been here, but I know that he will be resurrected by the last day, and I know that you all have this, but if only you had just been here to save my brother. Right, so she confesses faith in Jesus. She confesses him as the Messiah, but she still thinks that it's too late for her brother. She still thinks that God, Jesus, doesn't have that kind of power because he's been dead for so long. Four days, remember that. The other sister, Mary, is in her house and she is crying and she's weeping. And she falls at his feet and she cries the same thing. Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. And through these interactions, Jesus is moved to tears. And he doesn't go hide it somewhere. He doesn't go pretend that everything's okay just because he can raise Lazarus from the dead. He actually identifies with what emotionally is happening in the situation. And he has moved to compassion for these people. And so he allows himself to cry. John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That's not the only time we see Jesus showing this kind of emotion in public. It's If it was appropriate for him, it's appropriate for us, right? And so Jesus, he shows real sorrow and real compassion. So they get to the tomb and they remove the stone. And just like God spoke creation into existence, Jesus speaks the dead to life and Lazarus walks out. Just like that. And through this, many believed. Many Jews witnessed this and they believe. But some of them witnessed this and instead they chose skepticism and cynicism. Perhaps even greed, knowing that the Pharisees wanted Jesus gone. And so they go tell the Pharisees what has happened. And the Pharisees used this to issue a bounty, basically, on Jesus' head. We will give anyone money if they can give us the location of Jesus. And so Jesus, he uses this opportunity after this has happened to start going into hiding, not being so public until the most appropriate moment, where we will get to next week with the triumphal entry. And then he withdraws completely until Passover. And he does his teaching, but it's all for his disciples and preparing them for what happens next. 
you know, people are going to hear God's truth. They're going to experience Jesus-filled Christians. They might even experience um, the Holy Spirit in some small ways. But as soon as they taste the truth, they realize, I don't want this. It cost me too much. I'm more interested in what I can get by saying no. I'm more interested in popularity with the people in my life rather than choosing Jesus. And so even though they, they hear God, they might experience God, they don't want God, and they say no. And so these people did just that. They went and told the Pharisees, and the Pharisees put this bounty on Jesus' head. Not only that, but they also went Lazarus dead too, because Lazarus was evidence. It was proof that Jesus had the power over life and death. Then it wasn't a parlor trick. It was real. And they were scared of that because it challenged their power. So what are some things that we can pull out of this text for this week? Uh, number one, Jesus followed God's plan, but it required sorrow and suffering before the joy. He purposely waited to act. No one understood the reasons why, except for Jesus and God. Two, Thomas was 100% committed. Even though it might mean his own death, he counted the cost and said, it's worth it. When the other Jews counted the cost and said, we're not interested. What kind of faith do you have? Have you counted the cost and have you decided that Jesus is worth every cost? Number three, this was the final miracle that Jesus records before Jesus dies. And in it, he shows that he has the power over life and death. And the power over life and death is in the hands of a loving and compassionate God who has to enact justice, but has given us a way around it because Jesus took the penalty for our sins. All we have to do is place our faith, our hope, and our trust in Jesus and allow him to change our lives. And there's no more penalty because Jesus paid it. And then number four, he knows you intimately. He knows you better than you. He knows yourself than you know yourself. And he cares about you. Can you say that about other people in your life? If they knew you like you know you, would they care about you more than you? Or would they just be disgusted at what they find out? But Jesus knows you intimately. He cares about you so much. And he said that you are worth it. You are worth the fact that he died a gruesome, horrible, tragic death for you. And he claimed you as his own. You just have to accept him as Lord and Savior and believe that he is who he says he is, and that he did what he did for you. Thank you for joining me this week. Um, love making these videos. Please like and share and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're on audio, please um, give this a rating of five stars. Um, leave a review. Um, all of that helps the algorithms so that um, this podcast can continue to grow and the people can find it. And uh, we really appreciate it. All right. So praying for you this week and see you later. Bye. Mm -hmm.